0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and here with me as always is my wife and co-host, Catherine Weill Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine?
1: I'm so happy to be here. How are you?
0: You know what? I'm really, really good. I'm back in town. Spent the weekend in Mexico, uh, checking out Cabo for the first time, which was pretty cool. Um... But I'm back, back to hear a little bit about what you were up to. Let's just
1: say, thank God you're back.
0: Yes. Okay. Great. Well let's let's put a let's put a pin on that and come back and hear about that. Uh, and just say a couple of things, everybody. Thank you to those who are joining us for episode six, right? episode yep. six of the podcast, the Long Finish. This is the first one that we've taped where we've been live, where we've been out in the world. So thank you to those who've been with us along the way, and those of you joining us for the first time, um, we're a podcast, The Long Finish, which is run by Catherine and myself, who are a husband and wife team who also own and operate Esther's, bar, Esther's wine shop and bar. Yeah. <laughs> Get that name right. <laughs> and we also have two small boys, and we're trying to keep our marriage alive. And spicy, as I said off camera, Just keep it Spicy very um the mask
1: that we get tacos that's how we keep it spicy
0: that's just you reading that uh dragons love tacos that we read every night um but it's spiciest i think jim jim carrey did that in the mask no maybe he just did somebody stop me
1: yeah i remember i don't think it was
0: spicy i don't know if i actually saw the entirety of the mask
1: i don't think i saw any of it i just heard everyone i knew quoting it for like two years
0: were you a dumb and dumber person
1: not really. Really? I'm so sorry. I just like romantic comedies. I I, 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 no, I, know that. Yeah. You know, I was stuck in When Harry Met Sally just on repeat for years.
0: Everyone who knows Catherine knows that When Harry Met Sally is her favorite movie of all time.
1: And now, thanks to Jasper, who actually did the art for our podcast and is amazing, did a collage kind of of the scene in When Harry Met Sally when Harry picks up Sally and they drive to New York can you, and quote, now- can you
0: quote a line from that scene just right off the top of your nog? No. Can you quote any? What's your favorite line from When Harry Met Sally? Have you ever seen the movie?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm terrible at quotes. You ha-
0: I know for a fact you'll be quoting this immediately. We- I will, we- but
1: you put me on the spot, and I am really awful at quoting movies, quoting anything, in fact.
0: Ten minutes from now, you're going you're gonna to just gonna blurt out. When you find the one person of your life, you want to be started as soon as possible, or whatever that line
1: is. I say that one all the time. Yeah. Or then men and women can never be friends.
0: Oh, now they start flowing.
1: No, they won't flow. They
0: start flowing like the salmon of Capistrano, which is a Dumb and Dumber quote, which is where we started (laughs) the whole conversation. I'll just
1: pepper them pepper them as i them in not just tonight but through every podcast get the
0: texture going yeah yeah well as Catherine said for those of you have seen the artwork now it was created by jasper sorton who is a wonderful artist here in santa monica she's fantastic she she made a couple great pieces of art for us and we use them all the time and we're really really proud of them and we have a couple pieces of her work in our apartment and um you should check her out She
1: also did the really cool drawings that are in Esther's wine menu, and she did the drawing that's on our little wine bag that we have at Esther's, and she does our chalkboard. She does a lot of art around the shop, too. She's insanely talented.
0: And I also want to give a quick shout out to a friend from Fredericksburg, Virginia, who had a band called The Light Footwork. His name is Jay Underwood. Went to Stafford High School a few years younger than me. Lives up in the San Francisco area, and um, I love this band when they were playing in the two thousands and when I was looking for some music to start the show, he just gave me carte blanche with his catalog and said, "Please use my music if you felt like I gave him an idea of a Beatles song of uh, the magical mystery tour. there's a song that I really wanted to play, and he's like, "I think I have something
1: that is so cool. I didn't yeah. know the story of that yeah.
0: I said, "Hey, man, I'm thinking about this idea. Do you have anything, or could you put this together?" He's like, "I actually think something from my catalog could work, and if you find something you like, you're free to use it. So the music that you hear is from the light footwork." Our boy, uh, Jay Underwood. Uh, Shout out, Jay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jasper, for um, helping us uh, look and sound so good. So, a couple things I want to start with tonight. As always, we tape this show after the kids go to bed.
1: I would give tonight's bedtime a solid three and a half. So, not good? No, babe. Not good. And tell me why. Well... First of all...
0: I didn't do anything. That's what you're going to say.
1: It was not related to you. This is related to both kids have been sick, okay? Both the three-year-old and the almost one-year-old have been sick for almost a week. And so the three-year-old was so tired, he didn't want to take a bath, Then he took a bath, and then... He went out to go to the bathroom, but he didn't wipe his bottom. He had to go back in the bath. We had to drain the bath. <laughs> then we I then take a shower had to take with him. A shower. We had to yeah. take all the toys out to like now we have to wash and sanitize the toys. He was upset about it. It, you know, then the baby is crying because he now can get he has a little seat that he sits in in the bath which is really cool and safe except that now that he can stand and get out of the seat and so he's upset that I'm making him sit in the seat but it's the only way that they can really do the bath together right now because he's too small so that was hectic for
0: me as uh um, i was in mexico for the weekend for a wedding and missed the kids missed a lot of the bedtime so i got thrust back into the fire a little bit so i, I agree with you it's kind of difficult to get back into that rhythm main thing i'll say is the last few weeks have been tough because kids have been sick and it's just been hard it's just been hard like so anyway um
1: and i i want to add this too because yeah. we always talk about the bedtime but i swear Every time we do a podcast, the night after always stinks. The kids are getting up all night long. I don't know why. Like, they sense that, oh, mom and dad, I don't know, we're... Doing something special without them or something—I don't know—but the night after always stinks, and then we forget about it by the following week. So it's like that's fine, but
0: it's totally true. You guys are just getting a, a small window into the difficulties of our nights, but r- the reality—I I'm, I'm being dead serious. This has been one of the hardest years of my life, just because my—I'm a creature of habit. I like ritual, and my rituals, my my routines have been blown into oblivion by a second child, and I cannot get back on course. And so I'm so excited to see this kid, the youngest kid, almost become a a real person. (laughs) It's like uh, Pinocchio turning into a real boy here so that I can get some semblance of, of my life back.
1: Well, before we had this sickness problem, he was just on the verge. Like, he had a whole week where he actually slept through the night. At 11 months, sleeping through the night, which is, like, crazy. I mean, most kids hopefully do it way sooner than that. Bo did at four months. But it's been a long journey. And once we get there, it'll be great.
0: Like you said, it's one thing after another. Now he's starting to uh, – he's teething. So he's dealing with that problem. I mean, last last week alone – I spent um, a, two nights um, on an air mattress, one night on a couch, and one or two nights in our, uh, our three-year-old's single bed. So I'm not spending much time in my own bed. It's not because we're getting not getting along. We, we are. But um, there's a three-year-old that runs in in the middle of the night and basically kicks me out.
1: Last night he ran in and he goes, Mom, my favorite dinosaur is
0: triceratops.
1: I'm like, okay, honey. Are you tired? Yeah. Okay. Good night.
0: That's something you got to know at 2 a.m. Can't you God. have to I know that had stuff. To know that I'm a Triceratops guy. I was also a Stegosaurus guy. So I mean, the Velociraptor was made very popular with with the introduction of Jurassic Park. But I stay true to the traditional favorites. Well, that's enough children talk <laughs> for the night. <laughs> um, Moving on just, to important just things now. Just know that it's been, it's been challenging for us. Some people say, hey, you know what? The first one is trouble. The, the the second one is bliss. We're, we're probably the opposite.
1: We had a, first a unicorn, then a dragon.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about some wine that we're drinking tonight.
1: I am so excited that we're drinking this. It's unbelievably refreshing. We had to open this when we made our dinner right after the kids went to bed. We didn't eat with them tonight. This is the Monte Rio Cellars Dry White Zinfandel, 2018, from Mm. California.
0: White Zinfandel, you say? White
1: Zinfandel. White Zinfandel is another term for rosé. It was um, actually created by Sutter Holmes. That's amazing. In the 70s. Um, I think it was by accident, actually. And it can be sweet or dry, but it's Zinfandel, which is normally a red grape that produces kind of intense, spicy red wines. And it just sits with the skins for a short amount of time. And then that juice is just slightly colored. This is kind of a, I don't know, ballet slipper pink or salmon. And then uh, you have a rosé. It was made very popular in the 70s and 80s, and still popular. My my grandmother used to drink one every other night. When she wasn't drinking Merlot, she was drinking White Zin.
0: And that is a great segue into the bigger topic that we want to discuss for the evening, which is, as I've said many times, Catherine is the wine director for the Rustic Canyon Restaurant Group here in Santa Monica, California. But I want to discuss tonight the idea of creating a wine list for a new restaurant. Well, another episode, probably talk about the experience of building out Esters. But I, what I'd like to talk about is the creation of the wine list for the latest restaurant that you were involved with, which you were involved, which is Birdie G's. The creation, the dream, the invention of the great J- chef Jeremy Fox. And you have been able to work with him on a couple of different projects. And so I'd like to hear more about how you think about Um, opening a restaurant um, with regards to the wine and the wine you're bringing in.
1: I'm super excited to talk about it because it was such a work of passion. It was such a heartfelt endeavor. And I've had the opportunity to do the wine list for several restaurants, Milo & Olive, Casilla, Esther's, Tallulah's. But This is the most recent, and it was the biggest one that I've gotten to do. And it was also probably the most personal, other than Esther's. So when I'm thinking about a wine list, the first thing I think about is the philosophy of the group, which is my own philosophy as well. So I think about wines from small producers, wines made by people, ideally families, not banks, and wines that come from vineyards that are farmed responsibly, mindful farming, ideally organic, ideally biodynamic, totally ideally, even beyond that, but at least responsible farming. So all of the wine lists fall under that philosophy and each has its own personality depending on what the chef wants and what the cuisine is. So for Bertie G's, Bertie G's is such a personal restaurant to Chef Jeremy Fox. An amazing chef. It's kind of what inspired him to cook, which was his grandmother, Gladys. That's the G in Bertie G's. It's growing up in Cleveland, Ohio. It's spending some time in the South. Then it's moving to California and having that access to produce. It's working at Manresa. It's working and opening Ubuntu and having the Michelin star vegetarian restaurant in Napa. And then it's coming to L.A., and having this next phase of your life all of that wrapped into a restaurant. I think a lot of it has a heart in Midwestern cooking. There's meatloaf on the menu. There's lengua pot roast. There is It was delicious. I I, so I had that. Good. It's,
0: it's part of his um it's part of his blue plate special that he has every night of the week.
1: So it's a really vast menu. It's really rich. There's feels like a lot of like regional American food, but also things you've never heard of. Very exciting. The menu is itself, the paper is so big. And when I was looking at it thinking, wow, what do they want from the wine list? I thought probably something where guests don't have to ask quite as many questions because they might have a lot of questions about the origin of different items on the menu. And the menu is also a callback to all this the history of Jeremy and the history of cooking. And so I thought, well, I'm going to be inspired by my own history, my history of wine, watching my grandmother drink wine for years. My grandmother, Bo Peep Banker, who lived most of her life in Bloomington, Indiana. She did pass away this summer in July. She lived a long, long 96 years. And up until maybe the last few months, she had an airplane bottle of wine every single night. <laughs> Her fridge, the door of the fridge, was just full, stacked. She was keeping Sutter Home in business. And they were Merlots, Zinfandels, white Zinfandels, little Pinot Grigio. Not much of a Chardonnay drinker. And occasionally, if we were at a Italian restaurant, she might have a Chianti. I said that with a kind of an accent, but she didn't really have one. That was funny. Um... So it was inspired by her. Let's do a callback to these great varieties and these kinds of wines that people are really comfortable with. And let's call out the categories on the wine list so people feel super comfortable. Like, I only drink Chardonnay. Come on, we all know that person. I do love Merlot. God, my grandma loved Merlot. She put ice in it too. And there's a whole section for red wine that's cold. I I don't necessarily... (laughs) Suggest putting it on ice, but hey, if you want to, fine. Ideally just cold.
0: And the, the, the I do love Merlot is an obvious direct reference to the Sideways movie, which kind of, we both agree, did set back the varietal of Merlot several, if not a decades
1: Unbelievable. Merlot is pretty easy to grow. It's forgiving. It's friendly. It is so unpopular. I mean, it's not expensive to grow compared to Pinot Noir, which is so finicky, as we also learned from Sideways. That being said, I encourage anyone to Find a great Merlot for thirty dollars because you get so much for your dollar. Unlike Pinot Noir, where like it's so popular, it's really hard to find a great Pinot Noir under thirty dollars. It's
0: hard. And that's one thing that you are passionate about, which is um, what do you find value in great wines? We both love Pinot, but we know it's difficult to find Pinots of great value because they're they're fi- they're finicky. They're also in demand. Exactly, very popular. So where can you just like anything else in a market, where can you find an inefficiency in the market and find something of value and find something in this our case delicious? So you did a, you went on a quest to find some great Merlots and bring that back to popular culture, so to speak.
1: There are great Merlots in California. There are also some really great Merlots from Italy. In northeast in Italy in Friuli, some great Merlots. Didn't know that. There are also great Merlots hopefully you know this, right bank Bordeaux. That's the origin of Merlot. Saint-Emilion, like that's mostly Merlot. So it it does have a historic importance and also continues to produce amazing wines. They just don't get labeled as Merlot. So anyway, the list was really organized by styles of wine, something that people felt really user-friendly. The Um, Wines by the glass are divided by what you eat with them. So with fish, it's the white wines, with um, meat, red wines, um, and then there's a sparkling section. And with each section of Wines by the Bottle, there's a little section called Natural and Fancy Free, what the kids are drinking. So that was Jeremy Fox, Chef Jeremy Fox said he doesn't drink a lot of wine. I don't know a lot about wine, but I feel like this natural wine thing is a thing. And I'm like, it is a thing. It's a thing. So what if we still have this really traditional and user-friendly callback wine list, but then we have this little section for like, hey, here's some fun. Here's something different. And those wines end up being less expensive. People have to kind of go out on a limb to try them. And it's really fun that that parts of the menu has been really flowing. I will say, not to be obvious, but of course, all the wines in each section, even like the Pinot Grigio love, they're all producers that I really believe in. Fine wine producers, producers that fall into the philosophy that I was talking about at the beginning. They're smaller producers. They have their hands in the farm and they're doing responsible farming.
0: One, one, change, one slight change that I think that you've done differently at Bertie G's than I haven't seen at any of the restaurants um, for which you've worked or have been associated is, I know you have a passion for grower champagne, but this is the first time you brought in some bigger house champagnes. So can you comment uh, or you want to talk about why you decided to do that for the first time?
1: Yeah, I there's Krug on the list and there's Dom Perignon, the houses that I think are doing the best. As far as big houses. And when we were talking about the restaurant from the beginning, we were imagining this place that would just be kind of an iconic Santa Monica landmark. And that place where you wanna go to celebrate the best night of your life. And sometimes you just want the fanciest of the fancy. And sometimes that's Krug. And so that's on the menu there. So we have the big houses, and then we have a whole section that's called growers, and then we have a section called pink for champagne. So it was kind of fun to call those out and um, to have a place to showcase those in our restaurant group. I will also say, I want to mention that the restaurant will be nothing and this wine list would mean nothing without Bertie G's wine director, Aaron Day.
0: So when you go to Bertie G's, make sure you give a, a, a little shout-out or ask for Aaron Day to come over here and go to your table and um, see if you can find something new or, or, or a, a spin on a classic.
1: And also, think about Bo Peep, who inspired this menu and who would be so happy to drink wine there.
0: It's very true. Bo Peep was very near and dear to my heart as well, and um, it's, it's great to think about her every time that we go to Bertie G's. I do have one other question. About the the wine list and then we'll move on, which is just the size. It's the biggest wine list that you had to create, true, so can you t- I don't know talk to me about why or how you put together a list of what two hundred fifty yeah wines o- over two fifty yeah so how how does one go about doing that?
1: I mean that's a that's that is a time consuming and just important task to figure out the right balance, the right balance in terms of categories, the right balance of budget. That's a huge factor. Um, lucky for me, what I had in this case was all the other restaurants and their sellers. So I was able to pull a few special things from each restaurant to populate the wine list at Bertie G's with some older vintages, some special wines, and that helped fill out the list a little bit. So not everything was current vintage and it made the list more interesting and a little bit deeper. That was really special, but 250 wines just takes time. I mean, it's <laughs> it ama- it's amazing.
0: I you know, it's I, I, I just want to say I, I remember watching you worked so hard to put these lists together because not only are you running esters and, and you know, trying to keep our family alive, but you're also putting this 250-bottle wine list together. And um, it, it, uh, it broke you down a couple of times.
1: It definitely did. I, I get very obsessive. Should it be this wine or this wine? And no one cares. I'm sure they don't. But I would be deciding, what about this one? What about this one? Which one should win this particular $60 light white spot. And that's tough.
0: And you talk about the decision making of like agonizing over which one to choose from. But one thing, this is the first time you've done this at any restaurant that you've worked with, which is you're out to sort of open the bottle. You can open a bottle, open is, a bottle yes. and try it. And then you can try another bottle if you want, right? That's a cool program. And That I think-
1: over half the wines, probably two thirds of the wines, you can get. The half bottle of. You can get just a carafe of the half bottle for a different price. It's amazing because then you're able to try two different wines and you still get the experience of opening a bottle that you choose, not that just our selected 20 bottle by the glass list. It's really opened up the menu, allowed people to try new things, allowed for more pairings, which is so fun. It becomes user-friendly and, not, and less intimidating.
0: I don't know. It's always exciting to hear how people put together a project. And the idea of putting together a project of how do I bring in 250 wines is interesting to me. And um, one of the wines that you brought into the restaurant is the white Zen we're drinking tonight.
1: Exactly. It's by the glass. And also there's a whole little section of the rosé section that's just white Zinfandel. And there are producers, current, thoughtful producers, making rosé out of Zinfandel. That's fine wine that's not... Your grandma's White Zin. And that's what we're drinking tonight. This White Fandel, Monte Rio Cellars, is a project from um, Patrick Capiello and Pax Molly. Patrick Capiello is arguably the best psalm in New York, maybe the best psalm in America, one of the best He's done tons of wine lists for really amazing restaurants. He's been a restaurant partner. He's done everything, kind of. He's the Som to know. And Pax Molly is a very experienced and thoughtful and exciting winemaker in Sonoma. And they partnered on this project. The kind of the idea is like old school, new school. So kind of a nod to the old school of like whites in, but new school winemaking philosophy so lower intervention a dry wine a fine wine a quality small boutique wine not a commercial wine
0: which is like a perfect fit for birdie g's it's perfect it's like this is the wine
1: that is one of the wines that inspired that list and i don't know about you but it is a hot night and this is the most refreshing wine it's dry it's got this like rhubarb and i don't know red strawberry, red berry kind of just light fruitiness, but mostly just refreshing. And it's got a little texture enough so that the acid is kind of in balance with the texture. I don't know if that's a thing, but that's what I feel.
0: Well, we wanted to have a red wine tonight because we know that for many parts of the country, we're dipping into the colder temperatures. However, in Santa Monica today touched ninety degrees. It was very warm.
1: Ninety four in my car.
0: Ninety four in Catherine's car. For those scoring at home, and we just—I just said, listen, I can't do it. I can't drink a red wine in this temperature. So, the next couple of weeks, we're going to get into some red wines for you all because I know um, you know those of you in the Midwest and East Coast getting into some colder temps. Um, obviously, since the makers of the wine are from New York, this is a wine that you could probably find some some places throughout the country
1: yeah i'm sure you would find it in new york and northern california other parts of california um maybe in the other parts of the country as well we also have a red from them um at Esther's, which is ruby red it's a grape that was kind of created in a uc davis lab and it's mostly just used for blending because it's an intense color and really purple
0: to whisper that cuz i didn't want the like <laughs> the the wine people the, the wine detectives to come and find it <laughs> the, they would you see davis like they hear you
1: <laughs> you say you see davis someone is looking over my shoulder Someone's trying to clone our clone with a little, <laughs> with a little yeah. pad of paper
0: and um for those, so my two questions about wine that i always ask for people out there is um thoughts on what you would pair with this wine
1: it's a warm weather wine this is such like a great salad and goat cheese kind of wine it's a roasted asparagus kind of wine i know we're kind of out of the season at the moment but gosh when it is 90 degrees this is what you want
0: so we'll go ahead and circle back to this wine when it gets into late spring early summer just we'll
1: remind you to bring it to a barbecue and your friends will a think you're so crazy and then b think you're so cool because it's so delicious
0: and then for those of our, our friends out there that um, may not live in Santa Monica um, and then want to try either this wine or a white zin and they want to go to their local wine purveyor, is there, what, is there some ways that you can help them point them to something that might be comparable?
1: I gotta say, this new wave of white Zinfandel is just starting. So I think in the next year or two we'll see more. Right now, I only know a few producers, um, but you can just say a rose from Zinfandel. That is a kind of obvious way, um, and it also sometimes when you say white Zin, that makes people think maybe you want something sweeter, but white Zinfandel is simply rosé from Zinfandel.
0: Okay, great. That's a great discussion on the wine that we had for tonight. Uh, make sure you go out and uh, check it out at Bertie G's. Maybe we'll bring it into Esther's eventually, or go to your local wine purveyor and ask for a, um, a nice, fun, thoughtfully made white Zin. Okay, so let's go ahead and move to our final portion of the night, which is always what is inspiring us this week. I'm going to go ahead and go first and it's because I went and saw a great concert a few weeks ago at the Ace Hotel down in Los Angeles in downtown LA. Her name is Brittany Howard. For those of you who don't know her, she is the lead singer of the group Alabama Shakes and she has a new album out called Jamie and this album is phenomenal. I know as I said to you in a previous podcast I love to talk about music I love to go see live shows I'm going to do it a lot this performance was impeccable it was amazing to watch it brought in all different types uh, demographics ages races it was so inclusive and so fun Um, she played Jackie Wilson's um, Love Will Take You Higher or your love you Lifting me higher
1: oh that's so fun was that
0: amazing or what Yeah. Shout out to, uh, give give me a shout on Instagram or Twitter if you like the way that I sang that uh, little two bars right there. Um, But uh, she sang that song, which was incredible cover. She's got great tracks. I think from top to bottom, the new album is awesome. She did not play one single Alabama Shakes song. And I didn't care. I've seen her once before as Alabama Shakes. We saw her uh, near the Rose Bowl. And um, the new album, uh, I think it's a dedication to her sister, but it's also about um, her story, her coming out, her dealings with racism in the south um it's really powerful if you see her coming on tour i think she's coming to the east coast this winter you gotta check it out and if you're in la and you have been to the the, the ace hotel it's so special you have to go uh catch a show there i'll probably do an end of the year uh, best live music sh- performances i've seen this year i think that'll be on it um but if you're out there uh go cop the new britney howard album jamie And try to catch her on tour. It was really inspirational and really special to me. Catherine.
1: This week I am so inspired by sort of two people. One, consistently inspired by Eric Asimov, the wine writer for the New York Times. I think he's thoughtful. I think he has good recommendations. I think he feels really authentic and he bridges the line between very current going with the trends and also respecting the tradition and the history and also kind of bridges the gap between old guy wine drinker and new gal wine drinker. He's everywhere in between and embracing all of it. And he's doing a four-part series on climate change that is necessary, important, and educational. His second part of the series is um, focused on Mimi Castile, and she is my other inspiration. I had the chance to meet her a few years ago at a lunch at a friend's house, and then last year she came to lunch at Esther's. I love her wines. She is the biologist winemaker- farmer and mother behind Hopewell Wines. She is the daughter of the founders of Bethel Heights Vineyards, which you may have heard of. Um, She no longer works with them, but she did for many years. And Hopewell Wines isn't far away, but she's really focused on changing the game for her vineyard and setting a new way, a new peak, a new dream, a new standard for farming. I think in Oregon and in the world at large for winemaking, she's practicing regenerative farming, which means that she doesn't till, she doesn't irrigate, and she encourages habitat, which is kind of she encourages wildlife to live and create a like ecosystem beyond just grapes in the vineyard. It's insanely inspiring to listen to her. I only understand about 40% of what she says. Uh, that was at the lunch last year that I had with her. And also, um, you can tune in and listen to her on one of my favorite wine, wine, wine podcasts by Levy Dalton. I'll drink to that. She was on this summer, I think in July, um, on that podcast and she's incredible, but I admire her and I'm inspired by her because she is going out on a limb and doing something daring and she is changing the world with the way that she's farming and I am inspired.
0: Well, that's awesome to hear. And I know that um farming is a topic that you want to do on a later episode. So we'll make the time to I'll make the time to study up and I'd like to hear more about your thoughts and what people are doing. It's very cool.
1: Absolutely. And maybe we can try one of her wines.
0: I would love to try one of her wines. It's a really important topic and um I'm looking forward to that one. So All right, that does it for this episode of the long finish. Thank you so much to everyone out there uh for those of you listening to us, staying with us, just joining us for the first time, if you have the opportunity, please go to your favorite platform and rate, review, subscribe to the show. The ratings and the reviews and the subscription really bumps up our uh, visibility on these platforms. So if you would be so kind as to do that, rate us five stars, we would be so appreciative. And we'll keep doing this for you. We're excited to keep doing this uh, every week, bringing you some... New thoughts and ideas from us, and new wines out there to those who may have not have heard of these. And um, I don't know, it's been a lot of fun. Let's keep it going. So, Catherine, where can they find you on social media?
1: You can find me on Instagram at Catherine Weil Coker, on Facebook, Catherine Weil Coker.
0: Uh, where can they find The Long Finish?
1: The Long Finish on Instagram, The Long Finish on Facebook, and
0: TLF Pod on Twitter. That's been decided. Catherine and I were looking through a couple different twitter accounts we landed on tlf pod on twitter that's at tlf pod each week i'm going to post the description of the episodes the bottles of wines uh pictures of the bottles of the wines that we're drinking uh some behind the scenes stuff so make sure you check that out on twitter uh we, there's also the longfinish.com and i am on twitter and instagram at tug coker so check us out and support uh the, the home team and thanks again for rating reviewing and subscribing to our show so that's it for tonight looking forward to do another episode next week we promise to get a couple red wines in for all of you and um, have a great week and until next time happy drinking